shall see. But when they enter real life and start slaying real people, our imaginations balk. We can't imagine that they did it, you know, on purpose. Typically, women are seen as solely capable of reactive homicide. Murder done in self-defense, a burst of passion, an imbalance of hormones, a wave of hysteria, and not instrumental homicide, which can be plotted, calculated, and performed in cold blood. Thus, the infamous 1998 quote from Roy Hazelwood of the FBI, There are no female serial killers. What happens when people are confronted with a female serial killer? When ideas of the weaker sex break down and we're staring into the unnerving eyes of a woman with dried blood under her fingernails. First, we'll probably check to see if she's hot or not. A 2015 study took pains to determine which of the 64 female serial killers they profiled were of above-average attractiveness. This helps their crimes go down easier a spoonful of sugar, etc. Today, we remember the killer Ergebet Bathory as a sexy vampire who bathed in virgin blood, which isn't at all true, but it makes her less human, more myth, and in turn excuses us from asking uncomfortable questions like, if men are supposed to be the aggressors, why do Ergebets exist? In general, people take pains to link female serial killers to lust at every possible turn, even if their crimes have nothing to do with it. A clickbaity 1890 essay titled Truth About Female Criminals lays it out well, caps lock and all. Native or foreign, young or old, handsome or hideous, she plants herself confidently upon the vantage ground of sex. If the woman in question isn't hot, burn her at the stake. And give her a silly nickname while you're at it, like Giggling Grandma, Hell's Bell, or Arsenic Annie. In 2015, an elderly Russian woman was caught on camera carrying a pot alleged to contain the head of her best friend, and the media promptly christened her Granny Ball Lector. These are not names calculated to keep us up at night. They're punchlines to the great, overarching joke that is female aggression. There goes Arsenigani. She's never fully dressed without a restraining order. Like nicknames, archetypes can be useful organizational tools but they too often end up suppressing the more nuanced ideas of evil and darkness in femininity. For example, the image of woman as nurturer is lovely, conjuring up shades of Mother Earth herself. But Mother Earth is also a merciless destroyer whose wrath obliterates guilty and innocent alike. That side of her, however, is rarely invoked when talking about women. Or what about the archetype of the mannish, violent female? That one really confuses the critics. Due to the myth of female passivity, a woman who doesn't internalize her anger is often seen not just as masculine, but as almost literally a man. It's seemingly the only way to understand her. When 17th century Paris was suffering from a spate of female poisoners, one journalist mused, 
one must not suppose them like others, and they are sooner compared to the most evil men. Listen, I do understand that it's easier to swallow serial killing when it's diminished by a nickname or sweetened by sex or organized by archetype. People have endless tricks up their sleeves for softening the violence of the female, dehumanizing female serial killers by comparing them to monsters, vampires, witches, and animals, eroticizing them until they feel safe. Bad Girls Do It, an encyclopedia of female murderers. Hot female murderers that you'd probably go home with. Even shrieking the tired Kipling quote, the female of the species is deadlier than the male, and then walking away, satisfied that the situation has been sufficiently analyzed. I get it. Murder is scary. Who wants to claim it? Who wants to understand it?